But wait, there's more. Hi, everybody. It's Terry O'Reilly here, and we're happy to announce something we've never offered before. It's our But Wait, There's More subscriber package. If you're a fan of Under the Influence, you'll get more than ever before. You'll get more bonus episodes like the live recording and audience Q&A we did recently at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival, exclusive for subscribers only. You'll get more podcasts with additional stories. You'll get early access so you can listen to all of our new shows before anyone else. You'll get all of our episodes, including archives, ad-free. Tisk tisk. I won't judge. You'll be invited to Ask Me Anything sit-down chats with yours truly. You'll get first dibs on tickets for live events. You'll get big discounts on Under the Influence merchandise. And that's only the beginning, all for a few bucks a month. Just go to our show page on Apple Podcasts and tap Try Free to start your free seven-day trial. Membership has its privileges. Hmm, you should copyright that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is an Encore broadcast. I've always thought the Academy Award should have a special trophy for small roles. 
roles that are so small or confined to one scene that they don't even qualify for a Best Supporting Oscar. But sometimes, those tiny roles steal the film. Like Gene Hackman in Young Frankenstein, or Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction, or Glenn Close in Hook. But my favorite one-scene wonder is in the film Glengarry Glen Ross. The movie had an all-star cast that included Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, and Kevin Spacey. But the most riveting scene belongs to Alec Baldwin. The movie revolves around a real estate company. There are four agents in a gloomy outpost and they're on a losing streak. So head office sends Alec Baldwin's character, Blake, to shake things up. Blake is the most successful real estate agent in the company. He wears an expensive suit, drives an expensive car, and he's the motivational speaker from hell. You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much you make? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. As the agents squirm in their seats, Blake gives them the ABCs of selling. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. In the movie's most quoted moment, Blake tells the real estate agents that there's a new sales contest this month with an unusual third prize. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. It's an unforgettable scene because of two elements. Alec Baldwin's famous intensity and David Mamet's incredible writing. The movie began as a two-act play and won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 1984. Yet the most quoted scene in the movie, the Blake speech, wasn't in the play. When playwright Mamet wanted to turn his play into a movie, the script was too short. So he added material, and one of those additions was this now-famous eight-minute sales speech. It's a tour de force from Alec Baldwin, as his character delivers a galvanizing message to the agents that the real estate business may be about moving property, but it's really all about salesmanship. marketing is a world unto itself. It has its own rules, it has its own techniques, and it has its own unique breed of salespeople. It's a form of marketing that touches all of us, and it usually involves the biggest purchase of our lives. Real estate marketing has been around since the mid-1800s, and a lot has changed. But one thing hasn't. It's all about selling the dream. When the Industrial Revolution spread across nations in the mid-1800s, the wealth of the world increased. Suddenly, people were moving from the country into cities. They were no longer working farms for sustenance, but were now earning salaries at companies. 
banks then opened themselves up to higher risk and began granting loans to common people. Loans begat mortgages. Mortgages allowed home ownership. But the buying and selling of homes wasn't simple. The value of land was variable, and it was very difficult to estimate and forecast. The transaction itself involved paperwork and large sums of money. There were few people to turn to with property experience and wisdom. Into that void stepped something new called the real estate salesman. With cities growing rapidly and a population hungry to own a plot of land, the pickings were easy. That attracted a lot of charlatans to the industry, hustlers and swindlers who would meet people at train stations as they were arriving in the big city and offer them the opportunity to buy land that often didn't exist or wasn't nearly as described or turned out to be swampland in Florida. These characters became known as land sharks, which threw shade on the term real estate broker. That's when honest real estate agents decided to organize to raise the profile of their industry. They formed boards. They wanted standards and a code of ethics. They encouraged real estate professionals to establish offices to eliminate the problem of drift, which is to say swindlers who had no fixed address and therefore no accountability. As author Jeffrey Hornstein says in his superbly researched book titled A Nation of Realtors, an office with a sign was a visible manifestation of a broker's credibility. The real estate board decided they needed a way to distinguish themselves from unethical salesmen. They thought, why not adopt a title that would designate their members and signify an endorsement by the board as qualified and responsible? The term they settled on was realtor. The word was an attempt to make the profession more respectable, along the lines of attorney and physician. While some argued that realtor wasn't a real word, the real estate board defended it saying it was short for real estate operator. It would make Webster's Dictionary just a few years later and would eventually be trademarked. By 1910, the American census listed 126,000 brokers. In Canada, the first real estate board was organized in the growing city of Vancouver in 1888. It would collapse just three months later, but was revived in 1919. In other cities, like Winnipeg, boards were established in 1903 for the same reason to draw a line between ethical brokers and hustlers. By 1922, the first real estate license law was established to set minimum standards of practice. But realtors' greatest innovation was the multiple listing service. By 1925, MLS was being used in over 200 cities. As the middle class emerged, so did the real estate industry. In the post-war years, home economists, architects, urban planners, and housing officials planned, built, and inspected millions of houses. The notion of a home became a symbol of the ideal family unit, upward mobility, and a manifestation of the Canadian and American dream. Real estate boards formed national associations. A career in real estate was now seen as a legitimate profession. In the 
Bundy's early years, most realtors were men. As a matter of fact, the board offices were a kind of men's social club, with bars, barbershops, smoking rooms, and Turkish baths. But there was no denying that women brought a very special point of view to the profession. A home was really viewed as a woman's domain, and women knew how to find homes for other women. As home ownership blossomed in the 1920s, so did the influx of female brokers. Even though the Depression years would drive them out again, they would come back during the Second World War. When men went to work for the war effort or to fight overseas, women once again streamed into the real estate business. As Hornstein notes, Rosie the Riveter may be well known, but it was Rosie the Realtor that would be the permanent legacy of the war. By 1960, 25% of realtors were women. Today in the USA, 65% of real estate agents are women. In Canada, it's 42%. Real estate has also played an important role in the evolution of the advertising business. The very first radio commercial ever broadcast was for a real estate development. In 1922, radio station WEAF in New York sold four 15-second commercials to a Long Island real estate firm to advertise an apartment complex called Hawthorne Court. Friends, you owe it to yourself and your family to leave the congested city and enjoy what nature intended you to enjoy. Visit our new apartment homes in Hawthorne Court, Jackson Heights, where you may enjoy community life in a friendly environment. The very first advertising agency on record was started by a real estate man named Volney Palmer. When his Philadelphia business started to suffer during the Great Panic of 1837, he looked to expand his services in order to keep his real estate business afloat. So he began a coal supply service and advertising agency. It was a strange pairing, but the coal business introduced him to other business people. And Palmer started booking advertising space for them in newspapers. By 1845, he abandoned real estate and the coal business and was opening advertising agencies in Boston and New York. And the advertising agency concept was born. The 120,000 real estate agents in Canada spent approximately $625 million on advertising last year. And the 1.9 million agents in the States spent approximately $13.6 billion. How real estate agents advertise has always been interesting to me. For starters, it's curious that most agents insist on putting their faces on their business cards, on their lawn signs, on billboards, and in newspaper ads. Real estate is a service business, but so are advertising practitioners, doctors, and accountants. But few people would hire an advertising copywriter, a physician, or an accountant based on the way they look on their business cards. Most agents will tell you that it's all about branding. If potential buyers and sellers see your face often enough in the neighborhood, they assume you're successful and will give you a call. Or that a picture is worth a thousand words. So said Confucius who I may point out was not remembered for his picture. But I have another theory, and I'm going to circle back to the early days of the real estate business. I think it's about trust. 
In those early days, the industry was rampant with scam artists, con men who didn't want their pictures published. But legitimate brokers did. That accountability meant they weren't fly-by-night operators. I think deep in the DNA of the real estate business springs an ongoing desire to be respected and trusted. In the business of trust, a face is a powerful card to play. It's about integrity. Brokers are often the butt of jokes on that issue to this very day, as seen on The Simpsons when Marge begins working for a real estate company and her boss is explaining what real estate truth is. Let me show you. It's awfully small. I'd say it's awfully cozy. That's dilapidated. Rustic. That house is on fire. Motivated seller. Now, not everyone is blessed with an attractive, trustworthy face. Three American universities collaborated on a study recently to ascertain how much physical attractiveness contributed to the success of a real estate agent. They asked 402 people to look at photographs of agents and rate them from 1 to 10 on physical attractiveness. Researchers then compared those results to the MLS data for each of those agents, looking at listing prices versus sales prices. They found that agents who were rated more attractive had listings with higher selling prices and higher commissions. The universities said the study confirmed their theory that physical attractiveness is related to productivity in the workplace and to many of the choices people make. But here was the interesting side note. Less attractive agents had lower selling prices but more listings and more sales, which I interpret to mean they worked harder. Attractive people used their beauty in place of other work skills. Less attractive people simply rolled up their sleeves. I notice you roll up your sleeves. What are you insinuating? There is a realtor named Cody Lowry who began advertising his face on a billboard in the town he lives in. Great location, great visibility, great neighborhood. Three weeks after the billboard was put up, it was covered in graffiti. Someone drew big glasses on Lowry, a big nose and a silly mustache. So it was replaced with a new billboard. It was vandalized within a week, this time with big ears, crazy eyes and horns. This continued over and over again. Then the most interesting thing happened. The cycle of vandalized billboards started to make the real estate agent famous. People looked forward to the fresh graffiti. Everybody knew his name. His business flourished. 14 years later, it's still working for Cody Lowry. As a matter of fact, he was vacationing north of the Arctic Circle recently, and someone across the room recognized him from the billboards. You never know what will work in Mark. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Kidding. Hey, did you know you can now download the entire back catalog of Under the Influence free for the first time ever? Seasons 1, 2, and 3 are available right now with more to come. Download the digital box set wherever you get your podcasts. It's interesting that there are so many real estate companies, but very few have powerful branding. Sotheby's uses upscale blue imagery. My impression of Century 21 is based on gold jackets. But the differentiation among firms dissipates pretty quickly after that. One interesting branding story is Remax. It has some of the most recognizable branding in the category, based on their hot air balloon. Many years ago, two franchisees from New Mexico approached Remax with a drawing of a red, white, and blue hot air balloon and said, this should be our logo. Remax said, absolutely not. A balloon has nothing to do with real estate. Hard pass. A year later, these same two franchisees came to a regional conference with an 8mm film of a Remax balloon that had been flown the day before at a hot air balloon festival. They said... This balloon should be our logo. So, the group took a vote, and the result was a unanimous no. A year after that, Remax hired a consultant to gauge how well-known the company was in its hometown of Denver. The survey showed they ranked number 8. Clearly, they were in desperate need of some branding. Then somebody remembered the Remax balloon. So they hired a plane, got some footage of the balloon floating in the sky, and created a TV commercial with it. At the end of the eight-week campaign, the consultant came in with his annual survey and told Remax they were now the number one real estate company in the city. Remax said, fabulous. Wait, the consultant said, you don't understand. 66% of the people surveyed said Remax has a red, white, and blue balloon, and 36% said your theme is above the crowd. After only eight weeks, this kind of feedback is unheard of. This balloon should be your logo. So, they took another vote, and the unanimous response was yes. And that's how one of the most recognized logos in the real estate business took flight 
over 40 years ago. If you want it, here it is, come and get it. Mm-hmm. Make your mind up fast. There are some interesting ideas being used to sell houses these days. Some homeowners, for example, have created Airbnb accounts to let qualified home buyers spend a night in their house before making an offer. Then there's sign language. Here's what some realtors put on signs that sold homes recently. You know when you see a real estate sign and it has another small sign that slides into a groove on top or hangs from the bottom, usually saying reduce price or by appointment only? Well, one recent sign like that said, free pizza with purchase of house. It was so successful, Remax purchased the URL rights. Another sign said, reduced, but under that in smaller type it said, but not stupid or desperate. Still another had a hanging sign that said, zombie free. Remember, all of these houses sold quickly. Then there are online classified ads. One said, See Walmart from your private deck. Enticing. Another ad for what seemed like a very nice brand new home had a headline that said, For the love of God, would someone buy this house? $415,000. Another classified ad said, Four bedroom, four bath, 4,400 square foot hillside home. Master suite with whirlpool and deck, open floor plan, spectacular room to grow marijuana. Hey, even a grow-up needs real estate services. Then there is YouTube. And some realtors are creating some very high-profile videos to brand themselves. Meet realtor Josh Altman. He sells the dream. Who gonna buy this house today? Lambos, Porsches, hot valet. You gonna buy this house today? You, 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 all dog. A real estate company in Australia created an unusual video for a home recently. Shot in black and white, we see a very buff, naked man walking around his beautiful home. He walks out the bedroom, into the gorgeous kitchen, past the stunning living room. He takes a swim in the pool. He drapes a towel over a beautiful, naked woman sleeping on his couch. Then, there is a knock at the door of this magnificent house. The naked man answers the door, and a fully dressed real estate agent is there, who says... 92 Savoy Drive. So private, you can walk around naked. Then there's ex-minister-turned-real estate agent Terry Wagoner, who prefers humor to spread his gospel. Hey guys, what's up? It's Terry with FC Tucker and Ferris Property Group. Listen, can I be honest with you? I want to be able to communicate freely, heart to heart, my heart, your heart. We've known each other now for a certain amount of time, and I want to speak freely if I may. Your house is a piece of junk. I know it. You know it. People who come over to your house know it. But you don't have to live like that. I have the solution for you. I have the house for you. I'm doing an open house right here, 876 Granada Drive in Greenwood, this Sunday from 1 till 3. This house is going to make you want to punch your own house right in the face. Then Wagoner sticks the landing. So come check it out this Sunday from 1 till 3, 876 Granada Drive 
in Greenwood and let's sell that dump you live in now. I just want to help. I just, I'm concerned. It's pretty amusing and Wagoner's videos are worth watching on YouTube. He's one of the new wave of brokers who are choosing to zig when the rest of the real estate industry zags. There are many nuances in the real estate game. Ever heard of the Ghostbusters ruling in real estate law? It began with a New York legal case back in 1990. The buyer went to court to get out of a purchase agreement because he later found out the house was haunted. The first ruling was not in his favor, so he appealed and won. In New York, as with many other jurisdictions, they follow the buyer beware rule. The onus is on the buyer to get the house inspected for defects. But courts ruled that an inspection would not have discovered the haunting. So, why did the court finally decide the house was haunted? Turns out the seller actually perpetrated the rumor by reporting various spectral occurrences to the local press and to Reader's Digest over the years. Because she had deliberately publicized that her house was haunted, she owed no less a duty to tell the buyer. So whether the house was haunted or not was irrelevant. That the seller believed the house was haunted and had told others about her belief stigmatized the house and affected its value. And that was relevant. And the buyers weren't locals, so they had no way of knowing the history of the house. Therefore, the court determined the house was haunted. It's an interesting ruling. In Canada, the laws on this differ province to province. In Manitoba and Quebec, you do have to disclose if your home was the site of a gruesome homicide, for example. In Ontario, it's buyer beware. But if you have told people it's haunted, you might want to mention that so it doesn't come back to haunt you. As Alec Baldwin's character Blake delicately states in the movie Glengarry Glen Ross, selling real estate demands salesmanship. With 120,000 realtors, there's a lot of competition out there. That's why a big part of a broker's job is to brand oneself. The highest profile brokers attract the most clients. And if you're not Hollywood pretty, you have to work a little harder. Selling tools have changed. It takes more than sticking a sign in the ground today. It means utilizing social media, flying drones, and even music videos. There's a truism in marketing that the most valuable piece of real estate in the world is the corner of a customer's mind. And in order to claim that corner, smart real estate firms should be creating memorable branding to give their agents a powerful calling card. It goes without saying that the real estate industry is ripe for disruption. As selling tools change, so do buying options. And it's only a matter of time before real estate websites move from being informational to becoming transactional. Make an offer or buy now buttons can't be far off. Until then, it's brokers and agents and realtors selling the dream when you're under the influence. I'm Terry O'Reilly.
Under the Influence was recorded at Pirate Toronto. Series producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Sound engineer, Keith Ullman. Theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. Research, Tanya Moryusev. If you like this episode, you might also enjoy an episode titled Tales of Customer Service, Season 2, Episode 11. You'll find it in our archives wherever you download your podcasts. See you next week. This episode brought to you by Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. 